Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Bootstrap Founder Podcast. My name is Avid Ka, and I talk about how you can start, run, and sell a bootstrap business. This episode is called Do You Need a Co-Founder? Let's get started. Building a business alone can be daunting. You might lack a few skills, and I'm, in fact, I'm sure you do. There is a lot to learn when you start a company and you will never stop running into unexpected challenges that require the acquisition of new skills and knowledge. So should you find somebody to make all of this easier, a partner, an equal or a co-founder? Well, today I'm going to be sharing my learnings from starting several bootstrap companies with co-founders. It worked out with some and it didn't work with others. I'll point out what to look for in a co-founder to maximize your chances of success. And then I'll be talking about my own personal experiences in finding people to work with. Some founders are lone wolves and thrive on overcoming the daily challenges that come with the business. Other founders want to work on the things they enjoy and leave the other stuff to somebody who's better suited to do that work. Some founders want to live a life of responsibility and share none of the spoils, but Others would instead want to work in a more relaxed way and split the profit with like-minded people. So who are you? Do you need a co-founder? I don't think you need a co-founder, but your business will benefit immensely from having one. Choosing to build a company with another person is always going to be a challenge. All of a sudden, responsibility and accountability are part of every single decision you make. If you're a solo founder, you just do what's right to you. With co-founders, you have to justify your choices or at least create alignment about them. For some people, that's very easy and others may have a hard time. It boils down to one core component and that's communication. So let's talk about communicators first, founders second. If you're looking for a co-founder, look for someone who can communicate well with you. No matter how different your skill levels are, you can work together well. If you know each other's goals and methods, that requires you to make sure you're aligned regularly. That can only happen if you speak to each other face-to-face. I had a co-founder once who would only talk to me when they felt I was lagging behind on my work. Before that, they were pretty much incommunicado. They didn't reach out. They didn't ask if I needed the input. They seemed not to understand the subtleties of technical work. And they never tried to learn them. As a result, my own frequency of communication decreased as I got more and more annoyed with their apparent detachment. Needless to say, the business went nowhere. Communication is a trust-building activity. So when you don't understand something in the business, you will need to make sure you talk to your co-founder and find common understanding. You don't need to be an expert in everything they do. However, you should have a solid grasp of the why and the how of the contributions to your business. So let's talk about personality and personality alignment and why I think it should not involve beer of any kind. There's a saying in the startup community that you should find somebody to have a beer with. But this rarely ever translates into an excellent entrepreneurial relationship. Sure. It's great to work with a friend, but there is no connection between socializing and working together successfully. Particularly with entrepreneurial people, social drinking can mean completely different things. A mostly introverted thinker might avoid these events completely, while an extroverted networker thrives in those situations. If having a drink means having a meaningful discussion about your potential impact on the problems of the world, 
that's another story. But don't look for someone who you can have a beer with. You don't want to miss out on a great co-founder because they prefer a glass of wine or not to drink anything at all. Find someone you can solve a problem with. Both of you should get excited about the prospect of tackling a complicated and annoying issue. This tendency is the core indicator of the entrepreneur. We can't look at a problem without wanting to solve it immediately. If your co-founder does not express any kind of interest in solving real problems, but is more interested in playing startup or toying around with technology, be very careful. The drive to get through the painful parts of your entrepreneurial journey might fizzle out very quickly. Find someone who's equally excited when they talk about their work and who will glowingly speak about your business when they're asked what they're doing. Even the most introverted character can capture the attention of a crowd with their enthusiastic portrayal of how you're impacting the lives of hundreds of customers. You want a co-founder that will do this at least as well as you do. If they lack the passion for your business when they speak to others, how much passion can they have for it when they talk to themselves? Let's talk about empowerment alignment. When you start talking to potential co-founders, find out how much they care about empowering people. That's a good indicator for several important things. Their willingness to help your customers, their focus on building a problem-solving product, and their perspective on building and enabling a great team inside the business. Enabling and empowering people is at the core of entrepreneurship. Co-founders have to empower each other to do their best work. This is so much easier if they have a burning desire to make the world a better place for everyone. If your co-founder cares as much as you do, you are aligned along a fundamental axis. They might be more into marketing or development than you are, but their real goal is to build something that lifts everyone. And that is what you can expect from a business that lasts. So let's talk about skill alignment. When it comes to the skill sets, you can go either way. It doesn't matter if you're polar opposites or clones of each other or anything in between. At least that's my opinion. Complementary skills are excellent and allow for separation of concern. Now you can work in parallel with every founder focusing on their strength, but in the end, you'll both need to do work that lies outside your comfort zone at some point. Make sure to lay out the responsibilities for that kind of work from the beginning so there are no, I thought it was your job or I thought that was my job kind of discussions when it comes to working on things that you both don't enjoy. If there's plenty of skill overlap, that can help your business too. Two sales-focused founders can sell twice as much. If both founders like to code, the codebase will be built maintainable and team-compatible from the beginning. The challenge of this constellation is not to step on each other's toes. You will need to be precise in the responsibilities of each founder and how to resolve conflicts when they happen, both in work and in the direction of the business. I suggest you follow the approach laid out by Michael E. Gerber's book, E-Myth Revisited, and create an organizational chart for what you think your business will look like in five years. Then add one founder to every position in the chart. That will allow you to predetermine who has the final say about what. As long as the lines between founders are clear, then having excellent communication will allow you to create a company where people respect and listen to each other. Let's talk about the perils of being a solo founder now. If you want to go at it alone, that's okay too. Just be aware that there's no one to help you when you're sleeping or when you're sick. 
as a solo founder, you're, you are the company. Unless you can outsource or delegate work to employees at some point, you are responsible for all things. It might mean a few years of all day, every day dedication to your business before you can hire people to help you out with these kind of things. If you've read The 4-Hour Workweek by Tim Ferriss, you may have the goal of building an automated business that won't take much of your time. That might be the result of your entrepreneurial journey, but the beginning phases will need much more time and attention. It took us a long time to get to any kind of automated system with Dependa too. Be prepared to spend significant time on your business when you go at it alone. You will need to build systems to deal with the high amounts of work much faster than if you had a co-founder. After all, a co-founder can take over things when you're traveling, right? A co-founder can help out when you're indisposed, when you're sick. Without the co-founder, you will not have this luxury. Automating and documenting your internal processes becomes a front-of-mind action that is highly important to staying sane as a solo founder. It'll also make it much easier to hand over the reins of the company at some later stage of the business, by the way, to have a completely automated and documented system. So it's not just a solo founder activity. Any kind of number of founders can benefit from that, but particularly in this case, it's quite required. So now we come to the part about what things you have to look out for when vetting a co-founder, because there are a few things to look out for when considering working with another founder. You'll both be interested in growing the business and deriving monetary value from it, and that can get problematic if you misaligned on a few axes. So let's talk about these kind of asymmetries and distribution problems. First one is contribution asymmetry. If you found a company with someone who has an excellent network for you to sell into, you run the risk of doing all the work yourself because they might feel they bring enough to the table by already having the network. Assuming that shares are distributed equally, both founders should work equally on the business as well. So this might get quite complicated if your co-founder came into the company as a source of this kind of capital. How much work do a few thousand dollars genuinely represent right like be very clear in your communication what is expected of each founder money doesn't absolve you of having to work on the business the next thing is wealth asymmetry if there is a noticeable difference in wealth levels between your co-founder and you your decision making might be impacted very differently by your drive to generate profits. If you're living on a shoestring budget yourself, you might want your business to be ramen profitable as quickly as possible. But a co-founder with a sizable financial safety net might look at a more long-term profitability. Neither perspective is necessarily wrong, and not having money is not a reason to not start a business. Because both perspectives lead to positive business results in the end, both becoming ramen profitably uh, profitable quite quickly or just having a long-term vision. But be very clear about the near-term expectations when starting the business with somebody. Just find something um, that works for all founders. That is a very important part because if you want to have this long-term vision but your co-founder needs to pay the rent, then it might be really problematic for them to actually stick with this vision if it means financial trouble for them. So wealth asymmetry does not mean you shouldn't find uh, found a company. It's important um, to say this at this point, but it does mean that you need to have alignment from the beginning and different requirements essentially result in different approaches. The next thing is unequal share distribution. Often when founders look for co-founders, they already have been thinking about their business for quite a long time. 
They may have even built a prototype or have paying customers. And at that point, it's quite unlikely that they will opt for a 50-50 share distribution with the co-founder as they already took a substantial risk in getting the business this far. At that point, no founder is willing to part with half the company easily just because uh, somebody else is showing up, right? They did all the work. So what do you do at this point? Usually the co-founder gets a minority of the shares that is large enough to warrant them still being considered founders. I've seen everything from 49.9% of the company down to 5% or even less. Be aware that your co-founder's interest in building the company into a profitable business might not be the same when they only own 5% of the shares now. Imagine selling the business for a million dollars. They would only get 50K while you would get the remaining 950K. These results are worlds apart, right? And while you might be financially secure for the rest of your life, your co-founder can maybe afford to scrape a few years off their 30-year mortgage that they have. These are entirely different incentives and make sure that both of you are fine with the distribution of your shares because in the end, that is a very, very significant difference. The next thing is vesting expectations. At the beginning of a founder relationship, things are usually looking great. You started, get started working on the business and things begin to happen. Progress is made. Confident in your co-founder and they are working with a lot of passion and drive. But who's to say this will last for more than a few weeks? You can't know. Because of that, you should look into a vesting schedule for your shares or for their shares. In VC-funded startups, vesting schedules are usually multi-year and the momentum required to become a unicorn that takes a few years so in, to, to just aggregate into speeds that allow for the explosive growth, right? So the vesting schedules are appropriately also many years. For bootstrap business, this timeline might be a bit of a stretch, honestly. You don't have a runway that is longer for than a couple months. Your business risk is pretty high. The whole business is a risky endeavor. I recommend the vesting schedule that starts after maybe six months and then vests a part of the shares every quarter. This allows for dealing with contingencies in the business and changes in the business landscape as well. You have to be quite agile and nimble in the bootstrap business. And the many, many years of planning just really don't, it's not going to work out too, too well. Because look at our business. Feedback Panda was founded and sold within a, within less than two years. So if we had share vesting schedules for ourselves that were like four or five years, like wouldn't have existed, right? So these kind of things, yeah, might get quite fast. And you want to be able to have your co-founder on board quite quickly and incentivize them to do the work, to grow the, the business uh, meaningfully. So don't stretch it out too far. That also brings us to the last point, which is outlook asymmetry because looking into the future is always complicated and people have different plans if you are a bootstrapper you will have to be looking for co-founders that want to go down the bootstrap route too but what if they change their minds right what if they push for outside investment all of a sudden derailing your efforts to build a sustainable business that has no investors telling you what to do this needs to be very clear between the founders from the beginning. Some entrepreneurs see bootstrapping as the initial phase of the business, and some see it as the optimal state for the lifetime of a company, which I would agree with. Make sure you are aligned here, because that, that not, it's not just about investments in the business. It's also for... Um, eventually selling the business too. While most people entertain the idea of a big exit, right? some founders just don't care about it. 
want to keep it growing forever. This can lead to unpleasant surprises when you get that call or email with a life-changing offer and your co-founder just shrugs it off. They just don't care about it. Make sure you work towards the same business goals and at least discuss these kind of contingencies that might happen along the way. Finding a co-founder that shares your passion and sees eye-to-eye with you on the future of the business can be the most incredible thing, to be quite honest. Carefully vet your candidates and make sure you communicate well, check for alignment on how vital empowerment is to the both of you, and if you have to have a beer with them. But the important part is to find a person you want to work with. So that's the article. I would like to speak to my own experiences with co-founders because I've had quite a few. I've been building software startups since, I don't guess, like... 2012 2013 when i went to berlin here and started businesses with friends and colleagues that i that i knew at that point and have been building a a couple of businesses with a couple of people i've tried starting my own solo founder things but they never panned out because i'm a fairly lazy person but when other people are involved at least there's more structure and things turn turn out to actually happen quicker i've had really good experiences and i had super bad experiences when it came to people and usually the initial intuition was quite right that i had about the people and if and how i would want to work with them but that usually only ever plays out after you try to do it so in my my experience if you find people that you actually like, that you trust, because it's not about like personally liking them as a friend, you don't have to be friends, but you have to be able to trust them. So if somebody seems shady or too good to be true, that is usually the case, right? You have this kind of sense um, that is almost instinctive of understanding if a person is truthful and if they are actually giving you the responses that they think you need to hear or if they're genuinely the the responses to questions that they feel um and about how they feel i guess so in my experience i should have said no to the things that i said yes to multiple times and they turned out to be people who thought they were entrepreneurial and acted like they were entrepreneurial, but really didn't understand what came with it and didn't want to put in the work. And you, you can kind of sense that in, in people once you start asking questions about how they would approach certain things. Because often people are pretty lazy just even responding to these things and that can be an indicator for their own laziness to be to be honest so if they say oh, i'll get it done well how and they i don't know i'll figure it out which is the standard of how we approach things in the entrepreneurial world but if you don't don't even want to think about it in a conversation about a potential co-founder partnership this should be a red flag right it should be um you should wonder why people don't want to even think about it at that point all this to say I had great relationships with people that were just really, really interested in the business that we were going to be going into, like the industry, the audience that our products were going to be about. And I had businesses that didn't work out with people who thought they just wanted to be a startup. They just wanted to have a software company because they saw all these other software companies popping up all over the place and them making money. And they just wanted to have a share of that. And these things... Yeah, playing startup, right? That's the kind of thing you don't want to 
be part of because you want to build a business you want to build a relationship both between the founders and between you as a business and your customers and if people don't care about that part if they don't care about actually elevating customers helping people to become better helping people to sometimes even quit their jobs that you help them with uh, your product and become better become more true to their selves if that is not your mission if your mission is to make money then you shouldn't partner with people and if you find people who seem to exhibit this who only care about being famous being rich or being influential but they don't care about solving people's problems then they're not entrepreneurial then they're just status seeking and status seeking is not a good basis for a partnership so in retrospect, whenever I detected status seeking from the beginning, I should have said, okay, I'll think about it, think about it some more, and not have done it. So that's how I feel about my own personal experiences. There have been examples where the relationships worked out well, but the business didn't. And that is always a risk, right? If you go into a partnership with somebody, it might just be that you're doing the right work at the wrong time or the wrong work at the wrong time as well. It's just a business is always a risk and the business is always an opportunity that has a non-zero chance of not working out. So don't be upset if a partnership that worked didn't turn into a business that worked because both are the kind of correlated but there's no causation there right these are different things that happen at the same time and i'm still in very good contact with a lot of people that i had businesses with with as a, as a co-founder that didn't work out that doesn't make any difference on the personal relationship you're building with this particular person and Often enough, it opens up networks, it opens up opportunities in the future that you didn't expect to be there or you didn't even think of because, well, people that know how good you are and how committed you can be to building a business, they will refer you, they will give you opportunities, they will think of you when it comes to being entrepreneurial and when in, an, in a different context, right? So the, if the context changes, you will still be on their mind as somebody who's good at what they're doing. So... I still heavily recommend finding a co-founder. Maybe that's uh, a good way to close this kind of episode today. Because even though as a solo entrepreneur, you have a lot of control, you have the ultimate control over your business, you also have a lot of potential stress generating sources, right? There's a lot of stuff that can go wrong and a lot of stuff that will go wrong in a business. And if you're the only person to actually take care of it, your life will be funny enough. You feel like you have control of the business, but the business has control over you because everything ends and starts with you. And while it's nice to start stuff, if it comes back to you and you have to deal with it, then it kind of feels like a trap, which it is, right? So having people um, around you to help you with these things, help you even envision alternative systems that you yourself might not think about is a very important component of building a sustainable business even. Because you might go down the wrong path at some point, and you probably will because all 
work in business is at least on some level guessing, you might guess wrong and you might commit to the wrong thing. Having a co-founder, and I had that with Daniel for Feedback Panda and a lot of other people in prior projects, is a, is a way for you to stop before you commit too much to the wrong thing, like finding somebody else um, to give you their opinion about what you may be doing wrong, what you may be doing right, is is quite an important part of, of, of a conversation that you could never have if you were a solo founder. The only way you could do this is by having some sort of mentor, a network of a mastermind group of other founders maybe, but still, they're not involved the same way in your business as somebody would be who has shares or who co-owns the business. So the co-founder just brings a lot of rationality to the table, right? Because you might overcommit for any kind of reason, emotional attachment or um, just misunderstanding, misinterpreting things and having a second perspective or third or fourth, if you want to have a couple more co-founders is definitely worth it. So um, co-founders, great idea. Um, I, I believe that it's a, it's not a necessary evil. wouldn't call it an evil at all. It is is definitely a great addition to a business. And it's just nice to have somebody else to share both the victories and the failures of a business. Thank you for listening to the Bootstrap Founder Podcast today. You can find me on Twitter at Avidka, A-R-V-I-D-K-A-H-L. And you can check out the blog at thebootstrapfounder.com. If you want to support me and the Bootstrap Founder Podcast, please leave a rating and the review on Apple Podcasts and wherever you subscribe to this. It'll help other founders or founders-to-be to find this podcast and learn more about starting, running, and selling their bootstrap businesses. Thank you very much for listening and have a wonderful day. Bye-bye.